Happy Saturday, everybody. This is your host, Sophia Nelson. Welcome to the One America podcast. Every Saturday, as you know, we have a segment that kind of recaps the week before Saturday thoughts, I like to call it. I like to give you my thoughts and assessments and insights of the week that was past, the week that starts on a Monday and for most of us ends on a Friday until we get to the weekend and then we get ready to start all over again on Monday morning. So the past week uh, was historic. We witnessed uh, the one and only vice presidential debate featuring uh, Vice President Mike Pence, the Republican, and the challenger, uh, Senator from California, Kamala Harris. It was a civil debate for the most part. Uh, Pence was consistently interrupting and rude and over-talking the female moderator. And uh, Harris had to say a couple of times, wait a minute, I'd like to have equal time and I'm speaking. But other than that, it was nothing like the first presidential debate Where do I dig in? Where do I start? So there's a lot that happened this past week, and I'll give you my thoughts. First and foremost, the president of the United States contracted COVID-19, was in the hospital for a few days. Uh, I assume signed himself out against the protestations of his doctors. I'm pretty sure uh, that most doctors would have preferred he stay there at Walter Reed and get better and then return back to work. Uh, the infections in the White House and surrounding area, the Oval, et cetera, continue to go up. Governor Chris Christie of New Jersey, the former governor who was debate prepping the president, also got COVID, had to check himself into a hospital, was there for seven days. And the president has been doing some pretty unbelievable things, even for him on social media over the past week. And all I can say as a citizen of this great republic is that in about 20 some odd days, we will be, I believe, rid of Donald Trump and all of the division and the hate and the pain that he's brought this country. If you're a Trump partisan, that's your right. You're allowed to be so. This is America. But I'm allowed to speak my mind about our politicians. That's one of the things that makes our republic so unique and wonderful throughout the world. We do not lock up our political opponents. We do not call for their arrest. We commit to accepting the election results of any election, whether it's for local town council, for the Congress, for the Senate, for governor, or for even president of the United States. We commit to peaceful transfers of power. We commit to uniting. Once the voters have their say, we come together and we want our president to win. That hasn't been the case for the last four years. It's just been chaos from the day it started. It's been hard for me as an American, uh, someone who loves politics. Boy, I love politics. I've loved it since I could pick up books. I remember my mother going door to door, handing out pamphlets against Richard Nixon during the time when Watergate was breaking. And I remember sneaking off and reading some of the books that she had. I mean, I was all of, what, five years old, six years old. Not understanding, but understanding. And I'm heartbroken with where I see our country right now. It's not that we haven't been divided before. Sure, we have. The Civil War is our biggest division ever. Resulted in the deaths of over a half million young men on both sides, both in the North and the South. Uh, A staggering loss of life. Um, And... I think that it is tragic that we haven't learned the lessons of our past. The past is prologue, says Shakespeare, and he's right. 
As we think about this past week, that was the week of October, I guess the 3rd, um, a lot happened. We saw the FBI come forward and talk about foiling a plot of white supremacist domestic terrorists. Let's get them right. Militia people, militiamen, is a term really squarely out of our Constitution uh, during the time when the Second Amendment uh, meant something very different, I believe, than it means today in 2020. A militia, a well-prepared, well-guarded militia, right? Uh, back in the day of the founding fathers, every man and every boy over the age of 13 had to have a musket. And it was important because if there was an invader, if the British had come back to do something, they would all know that the men and the boys were the military. They were the militia. Our founding fathers felt very strongly that we never have an organized standing army. There was a lot of debate about that. A Department of Defense. A Navy, yes, but there were disagreements about that. And I think we can see that even into the policing, that if there's ever a force that's stronger than the people that can overtake the people, it could become problematic. So I think that as we look at this past week, and Governor Whitmer, I think, has been gracious in the face of what must be terrifying for her as a parent and as a wife, as a public servant, that someone not only wanted to kidnap her and harm her, but to try her for treason. Now, I wonder where they got that idea. When the president of the United States tweets, liberate Michigan and liberate Minnesota, and he's he's baiting these right-wing crazy factions. And you know what's sad about this, folks? They're predictable. When I saw the pictures of the men who had been arrested, all 13 of them, I shook my head and I said, somehow I knew they looked just like they look. They were going to be white, male, uh, overweight, uh, you know, the, the hats on their head, the beards, the menacing looks, very poor, not educated, uh, driving the big pickup trucks. You know, some stereotypes are just true. And it's sad. Those are the people that this president incites to insurrection and riot and to violate our norms and our social dignity and our respect for one another. If I wasn't living in this time and I was to go forward into the future 50 years and look back, I would think it was a joke. I wouldn't believe that such a man could ever get elected to the presidency, first of all. But then I wouldn't believe that the Republican Party, the party of Abraham Lincoln, the party that really saved the soul of America, the party that freed and liberated the slaves and and then legislated the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, which are the cornerstone of equality and freedom and the shift of the vision of the founders that started in 1776 and that went forward into the the mid-1800s, the 1860s, with the radical Republicans who challenged everything and who were, were, when I think of Thaddeus Stevens and I think of of Frederick Douglass and I think of them, and then I think of the period of, of Reconstruction and then with Ulysses Grant's presidency and the Republican Party fighting the Klan and you go fast forward into the Jim Crow era and you go down to the Civil Rights era with Everett Dirksen and Margaret Chase Smith and the, the great Republicans who helped pass civil rights legislation and voting rights legislations, a party that up until Dwight Eisenhower got the majority of black voters in this country. It shifted in the 1960 election with John F. Kennedy being the first Democratic president to get 
a majority of votes of African-Americans. And then ever since then, the Republicans really never recovered, slowly but surely losing black votes. Nixon getting a good chunk of the black vote in 1968, probably over about 30%, but no Republicans come close to that ever since then. And so we're at this crossroads and I can't get into it all today because Saturday is just that. It's about Saturday thoughts. It's about talking about uh, what we experienced and uh, what happened in the past week. And I want to talk about the VP debate. I think for me, one of the standout egregious things of this week uh, was twofold. First, the president of the United States of America attacked Senator Harris, calling her a monster, calling her a communist, and calling her unlikable. When men of power describe women of power as unlikable, that means she's out of her place. She talks too much. She thinks for herself. She's too independent. And I need to tell the men who listen and the men throughout the world who listen and the men here in the United States, those days are over, guys. That genie is out of the bottle. Women will never again be property. They'll never again be chattel. Maybe in some third world backwater jacked up ass place in the Middle East or in China or some other place where women are routinely Africa violated. And I pray that we here, the women of the United States, help those women, particularly as I believe we're going to have our first woman vice president very soon. And I really call on the men of a younger generation to do better, to not buy into this, to not Allow yourself to be beholden to old notions and norms of, you know, I'm a he-man, hear me roar. Uh, You don't need to be a he-man to be strong for your woman. You don't need to suppress your woman's greatness for yours to shine. You don't need to subdue her so that you can stand out. That's not how this works. You know, I'm a Bible girl and we all know it. And, you know, Genesis 2 and 18, it is not good for the man to be alone. Let me make him a helper. One of my favorite scriptures. And it's a great scripture because God doesn't say, let me make him a slave. Let me make him someone that's subdued, that's under him, who's not uh, his equal. He says, let me make him a helper. A woman is a helpmate. She is an extension of your power and your greatness and your cover. She is your equal, but she is there to support, to love, to encourage. And in some cases, you are going to be the one that will be holding her hand. You'll be the one holding her briefcase when she's given the speech. And that's okay. Because if you have each other and you love each other, one of the things I really love about Doug Imhoff and Kamala Harris's relationship is he is very comfortable with himself. He's a very successful lawyer. He's done well. You know, he made millions of dollars. They do well as a couple. Kamala married late in life. She was almost 50 years old when she got married for the first time. She has no children. I can relate. We're age cohort. She's a few years older, uh, but I'm still unmarried and there will be no biological children. And That's always a hurtful, tough thing, but women of my generation had to make different sacrifices than do young women now. It was very hard to find a man who would let you be you and still love you. And without saying he felt like he had to be Mr. Kamala Harris or Mr. Sophia Nelson or whatever, and that's unfortunate, but I'm grateful that she found Doug later in life and I'm grateful that he found her. And I love the way they love each other and the way they play with each other playfully and the way they 
hold hands and nuzzle, but still keep their power. He is excited for her and it comes through. He is 100% her biggest fan. And there's nothing sexier, ladies, than a man who is your biggest fan and who loves you and who will support you in your greatness. And when you come home, he'll let you still cook for him if you want to do that and, 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 and cuddle with him and do all of that. And he doesn't feel threatened. His masculinity isn't dimmed because you are great in the world, because you do great things in the world, because you're light in the world. And I want to just give a shout out to all the men out there who are holding it down and who love your wives. I think of Judge Barrett's husband, Judge Amy Coney Barrett, uh, her husband. It can't be easy to be the husband of a federal judge with all those children that they have. And she talked about how he does more than his fair share around the house and everything because she's a busy federal judge. And now she's being nominated to the Supreme Court. And again, I just I just want to give you men out there who hold up strong women, who love strong women, who do the right thing by women. Uh, and I'm excited for you. And thank you for being that type of man. Um, your daughters need to see that. Your nieces need to see that. Your sisters need to see that. So this past week was interesting. You know, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, I believe, is going to lose. I believe he's going to flame out. Uh, he's just gotten more and more out of touch, more and more offensive, more and more egregious. Uh, his comments in a debate that black men could go anywhere they wanted in South Carolina in 2020 as if he needed to say that, as long as they were conservative and not liberal. I don't know what planet Lindsey's living on, but it's time for him to go. It's time for Trump and Barr, and, and, and Tillis, and all the rest of these goons, they're ghouls, they're goons, these are, America, we're better than this, we are better than this, we are better than this division, and this hate, and this regressiveness, and this anger, and this suppression, and wanting to suppress democracy, not being willing to say you will accept the election results when you're president, not being willing to call out white supremacy, and domestic terrorism, Something's broken, but I believe it's about to get fixed. As for the Republican Party, I'm going to have some guests on. I'm going to get some of the Lincoln Project guys on. I'm going to do a special podcast soon. I'm going to get uh, some of the other folks from other organizations, you know, Republicans for Biden, Republicans uh, uh, for the rule of law, all those type of folks. And I'm going to uh, really do some work around this after the election because I suspect that it's going to be a pretty bad beatdown for uh, the Democrat. I mean, for the Republicans. That's that's what I think is going to happen. And uh, that's what I suspect it's going to look like. I can't give you numbers because I'm not a, um, a psychic, but I'm looking at the polls and Biden is well over 52%, almost in every national poll. Hillary Clinton never got above 47%. And that was a problem for her. She and Trump both were underwater. Neither of them ever hit 50. Biden has been consistently over 50 with likely voters and above that as high as 53%. I believe he's going to win big. I believe that all the votes will be counted within a week or so. Uh, but I believe we'll probably know on election night who won based on the electoral college vote. So I, uh, my thoughts are this, that I'm proud of my country. I see people coming together across the lines. I see people waking up and realizing that there were things going on that they had no idea about. I see people who are 
doing their best to preserve democracy, register to vote, register neighbors to vote, do all kind of things to be helpful and to uh, help people uh, who need food, who need uh, comfort, who need conversation, um, just taking care of each other. Listen, guys, um, it's mid-October almost. COVID is spiking. You got to be careful out there. You got to wear your mask. You got to take care of yourself. You have to um, be smart and be vigilant. It's spiking. It's out of control. We're going to enter flu season. We're going to be underwater well through February of next year. I don't know what the inauguration is going to look like. I was thinking about that. Um, It probably will be very sized down, might even be uh, indoors. I don't know what they're going to do, but I don't think it's going to be a traditional inauguration. And I've been to one. I've been to two. um, And there are beautiful experiences to have for sure. But I think that um, we'll get through this and we're going to be okay. So I just want to stop on this Saturday morning. If you didn't listen to my podcast with Rachel Pearson of Engage for Women, please do because it's fabulous. And she gives some really great data on women on the women's vote, what's going to happen, how women over 50 will decide this election. She gave some great information on the economic impact of COVID on women. Go look them up, follow them on Twitter, engage for women. They're fabulous. And uh, I'm going to spotlight more parts of that podcast a little bit later on my Instagram and other accounts. But thank you so much for listening and for following. We'll have guests again starting next week. Uh, And we'll do this all the way through the election as we go through uh, the election and uh, after the election. Make sure you're following my columns at the Daily Beast, USA Today, New York Daily News, the Washington Post now. Um, I'm on hiatus for book. I've got to sit down or I'm not going to get these books done. So thank you again. I hope you're having a good weekend. I hope you're having a good autumn. God bless you and keep you. And uh, make sure that you vote. You can vote now. Get out there and vote. It's important. Vote, 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 vote. Take some friends. Take some neighbors. Vote. God bless you. God keep you. And God bless the United States of America.